You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What's happening, everyone? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast podcast. Really excited to have you here with us today, as I always am. And I know I always say that. I'm getting a little cliche with it, aren't I? But even more excited to be able to provide you with some amazing value. And I shouldn't even use the word some because this episode is jam-packed with value through the conversation we were able to have with today's guest, Matthias Metternich. Our friend Matthias is the founder and CEO of Art of Sport, which is a body care brand built from the ground up to help all athletes reach peak performance. Now, Matias is joined in this vision by founding partner and five-time world champion Kobe Bryant, and the brand's athlete roster includes James Harden, Javier Baez, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sage Erickson, Ryan Sheckler, and Ken Roxon. Now, prior to Art of Sport, Matias was the founder and CEO of Coco Dune on top of previously founding and serving as CEO of Believe In. He even has a background in design and branding, which resonates with me on a really, really high level. Now listen, I'm not holding out on you, I promise. This conversation is insanely insightful, but what I do want to fill you in on first is an offer from our partnership with Gen M. Now, Gen M is a platform for businesses to find marketing help through an amazingly talented pool of remote marketing interns from all over the globe. Gen M has provided me with interns for my branding agency, 1B Branding, and I haven't looked back since. Gen M allows business owners to save up to $1,000 per month. What business owner doesn't want to save money, right? It allows you to form a small marketing team, provide the tools and resources to manage tasks, projects, and more. Listen, if this offer is something you want to check out, all you have to do is head over to the link in the show notes of this episode. I promise you it is something to definitely dive into. Now, without further ado, super excited to present to you my friend, Matthias Metternich. Firstly, Matthias, we are grateful you are here. You are dedicating time to make an impact here on Decoding Success. Really excited to have you. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show. Of course. First question straight off the bat, this is always how we kick off the show, is how do you personally define success? Well, I think that that's always changed over the years. And I think as I've been in the trenches um, building companies for a while now, I think that definition has really changed. And I think where, where, where I've landed is I feel successful when I'm working with really smart people who inspire me every day. I feel successful when I get to pursue an idea uh, from the ground up from day one. Um, and, and, and that, and that journey and the process of building companies is I derive an enormous amount of satisfaction from, and to me, that is ultimately what, what, what speaks to a feeling of success. Now, you know, obviously the return from all that work is, is, you know, you making a a great living and you being able to pursue all the other things that you want to do with your life. That's, that's the outcome. But I think this sort of, um, I think this, one of the key tenets that I've stuck by over the years, and I I used to be an athlete too, was, you know, the amateurs sweat the outcome um, and the pros sweat the process and they love the process. And I think that's where I've landed in in my journey and in my interpretation of success. 
I love that. And I'm definitely grateful you shared that. A whole lot of that resonates with me, you know, especially going back to what you were saying, how the definition of success has developed and grown as you have as a person, right? Forget about business, business aside, like as a person, as you've grown, that definition has changed. And I, I know a lot of people that tune into the show can definitely resonate with that as well. Now, it seems, you know, from your definition of success that you're able to, and you continuously are achieving it, specifically being in proximity of great people and building things as we see through your entrepreneurial track record. So I'm curious, how do you find yourself staying on track to achieve that well i think that i think that the 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 mindset that helps guide folks who who want to kind of pursue their ideas or pursue building businesses that's helped me a lot is i used to think in sort of binary terms so it was either everything or nothing it was boom or bust and 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 i only i only derived satisfaction or or a sense of reward if I was measuring myself against those binary results. Um, and so I think that that actually means that you're constantly focused on the outcome and you're constantly focused on, you know, every, every day that you're working, you're sort of impatient with yourself because you're looking for the results and you're looking for a return on the investment, whether that's your time or your thought or other people's opinions. Um, and so it, it, once you start to drop that, I think that really frees you up to start to focus on, developing a craft, developing your skill, um, looking inward and spending enough time just sort of identifying the things that inspire you and keep you energized. Um, and so I think that that's, that's been a sort of an interesting learning for me over the course of my career. Um, now, I will say that one thing that, that I think has stood me well over time is that I have a, a nose for, for quality. And I think, I think that I've developed over time. And you have to kiss a lot of frogs to know if something's good or bad. It's just, it's sort of almost a numbers game, but, but as long as you're aware and listening to the sort of the patterns that are around you um, and you're taking away real lessons and trying to uh, not make those mistakes again, I think what you emerge with is a good context and ideally also a nose for quality. And, and with that as your sort of compass, you can really uh, identify great talent, great partners, people you can build businesses with over the long term. You stop making short-term decisions. Uh, you stop. You stop jumping into things haphazardly without a real plan, um, and you start to really think long-termist about about things. And and you want to surround yourself with the best. You want to pursue the best ideas, and you want to execute those things to the best of your abilities. And if you fail along the way, that's fine, because at least in that case, you've done everything you could to make something a success. Um, but, but you know, my, my view is that you sort of um, excellence kind of requires a, a nose for identifying it and then working toward it on a regular basis. So I really value that kind of contextual framework that I've built over time. For sure. Now, you know, we're talking about over time, we're talking about the journey, careers and things of that nature. And you mentioned something earlier that I kind of want to circle back to. You mentioned that your focus is on the process over the outcome. And my question to that is, how did you develop that mindset? And the reason I asked that question, you know, to give you some context as to the beliefs and, you know, my curiosity behind that is, you know, we're living in a day and age where, society paints this definition of success. You know, they paint the picture of success uh, when you're on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the YouTubes, you know, 
basically, it, I like to call it shiny train syndrome. You know, like we have yeah, this sure. train syndrome. So we want that outcome. Like we live in the future and it creates this anxiety around the things that, you know, around our lives. So I'm curious, how did you develop the mindset where your focus is on the actual process and not so much that outcome? Well, I, I'm a big believer. Like it, it, I think as an entrepreneur, you, you, you have sort of guiding philosophies that you try to stick to. And then really the proof is in the pudding in, 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 in terms of how you live your life on a daily basis. And, and, and for that to be, you know, that to guide you down the right path, I think there are some very practical tips that I've employed that have helped me keep, keep the right mindset. So the way that I'm sort of going to answer this question is two part. The first is um, I had a particular love for creating things. So I loved to design things. I also used to code a lot. And so I was proficient in the technology space to the extent that I could kind of create an idea on the back of a napkin and then try and ideate that through to completion. And sometimes those were businesses and sometimes they were just passion projects. But I think that kept me in a, in a, in a, in a mindset where I was in a, in a creative process, I was pursuing the creation of something and the constant refinement of an idea, as opposed to a situation where my journey began with, how do I make the most money in the shortest span of time? Now, that's just been my journey. I know a lot of really successful people who have had much more of a mercenary approach to making money. They don't always enjoy it. They don't always love what they do, but they've made a lot of money. And so that's sort of been a that's been a sort of a secondary priority for me as I as I as I steep myself in the stuff that gives me passion and gives me joy. So to that end, I'm kind of every day when I roll up my sleeves, I get satisfaction and I get I get a sort of a return from from that work, and I feel every day I'm building out my toolbox. So that's that's sort of number one. It's a kind of a, a philosophical approach. But then on the on the other end, on the sort of more practical daily recurring basis. I have gone to the extent of unfollowing people on social channels. I have gone to the extent of downloading uh, sites or, or tools in, in, in Chrome that, that basically block my access to certain websites that I self-impose and I self-regulate because it's, it, it's very easy to fall into the trappings of seeing uh, something on YouTube with somebody promising you you're going to make millions of dollars if you do one, two, three things, or on Instagram with people showing you the best versions of their lives. All that garbage is, 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 is a waste of time, and none of it's real. And so I think, I think people sort of wading down this path have to have a very kind of long-termist approach, but also a protective one where they protect themselves from all these kinds, all the noise around them. Um, and that's something that I do on a regular basis. So I don't, I don't go to networking events. I don't, I don't surround myself with people who are constantly hustling. I don't try to try to uh, follow the latest trends. I don't listen to all that shit. I, I just trim it all and trim it all out and block it out and just stay focused on myself and, and, and my team and the stuff I want to build every day. I love that, man. I have to admit, I respect the discipline. You know, I, I have a couple Google Chrome extensions that are similar, but I'm looking at my uh, my browser right now and I can tell you they are no longer there. They might have lasted a couple of days. So I give you a ton of respect for the discipline you exemplify. And, you know, touching base on what you mentioned in regards to the passion for creating, I have to ask, was entrepreneurship always the dream going back to childhood? Like, I know you mentioned sports. I'm, I'm sure at, you know, sports were in there somewhere. Was entrepreneurship always the goal or? 
Um, you know, I, I don't think I, I, I have a, a perspective that might be uh, sharp, let's put it that way, that like, I don't really remember a time when everyone and their dog wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like that, that's a new phenomenon that's come around in, in, in probably the, with the tech cycle and the emergence of folks like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs and all of these sorts of storylines that, that have become really popular. And I think a lot of folks out there have latched onto those romantic narratives and decided, oh, I'm only going to be happy if I become this thing called an entrepreneur. They haven't necessarily um, had that calling or that interest. I admire anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur. So I'm a big advocate of going out there. If you have a passion and a burning desire to do it, do it. Absolutely. There's no better time. But my view on the subject is aspiring to be an entrepreneur for entrepreneur's sake is, is, is a strange mindset to me. I don't understand it. For me, it was a case of I, I always was creating things. So I, my, my first foray into it began with uh, developing video games because I love to play video games. So I started creating video games. They were pretty terrible. Um, they got a little better over time, but that taught me how to code and to design. And then I fell in love with the idea of building apps and websites. And so I started building those. And oftentimes it was just a harebrained idea I had. And then sometimes people would ask me to do it. Um, and then I just by default had sort of this kind of vocabulary I could use and I would start to commercialize those ideas. So for instance, there was my high school didn't have a computer lab really when I was a kid. And so I created a business that went around and collected uh, computer parts and I refurbished those computers and I sold those into bulk to my school, but then also to a bunch of other schools that didn't have computer labs. And it was because I had a passion for computing and I wanted, I, wanted into, I wanted myself to become more proficient in it. And I wanted my classmates to also be proficient in it. And so that was the journey that led me toward what was, you know, a, a, a pretty great business as a kid. And that only continued to snowball from there. But it never came from a place of, hey, I need to, I want to make a, a shitload of money. And what's the fastest way to do that? And I'm just going to slap a label on something and put it up on, on Amazon and hope it goes well. Like that, that's not, that's not my jam. I, I, I respect it, but that's not how I've, I've tended to approach things. Yeah, no, totally. I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, that kind of answers part of the next question I, I had for you. You know, I already talked and admired the discipline you've exemplified, but you've also exemplified the ability to adapt, right? On your journey, going from founder of e-com companies to uh, enterprise software, now to personal care. What are the other characteristics aside from the ability to adapt and the ability to be disciplined that you feel have played, you know, a major role in achieving success? Well, I I, um, I used to own uh, kind of creative agencies, digital agencies back in the day because. I, I found it was a it was a wonderful exercise to sort of like think about where the world was going and then create products for it and I and then I had the the, the advantage or the privilege rather of, of clients who would pay me money for that so I would get big brands that wanted cool new products or cool new services or a great new website or whatever it might be and I would help ideate through that process and over the years I got to touch all kinds of different businesses I I had the privilege of building a consumer bank. From the ground up, that serviced you know 80 million customers. Um, I had the I, and this was served. I was in an agency and I was servicing a client, so it wasn't it wasn't like I started that bank, but I, I had all the tools and all the talent and all the capital necessary to build this great bank for this for this company. And then on the other hand, I was in, in, a, in a position where I could launch like Halo Top, 
uh, not Halo Top, uh, Halo, the video game for Xbox when it came out in Europe. So I had an opportunity to create all sorts of cool marketing and campaign opportunities to, to get people excited about Halo. And those are, and then there, you know, there was a fin, there was an insurance business in there somewhere, and there was a hospital in there somewhere. And so over time, I got to touch all these different types of companies, and and really the the, the connective tissue, even though you know maybe my my career has been all over the place in terms of the types of companies I like to build, the th- the common thread has always been the same kind of design thinking approach. And by design, it's not just how it looks, but sort of how it works, what the what the channels are, how you build it out. Uh, the same love for design, and so thinking about how can you create a, a differentiated product and a differentiated experience, um, and then and then the idea of surrounding myself with great people and building something from a, from a, a napkin up into something big, and so that was that th- those three characteristics are the things that sort of call me to the party each time, um, and then the final piece is of course like you know, the criteria for doing those ideas is, can I create a really differentiated experience? Can I create an awesome product? Can I disrupt the market with crazy pricing or a great service or uh, or customer experience? And then sort of the final piece is, hey, if I create this and I build this, can I be passionate about it? Because it could very well be the last company I built. It could be the thing I spent 40 years building. Um, and so those are sort of the defining characteristics that ultimately guide me down the path into into the different types of companies I, I build. For sure. Now, I would love your opinion on something you mentioned. I think this is really interesting. My question to you is, do you need a niche? When you're in business, right? You just mentioned that you've worked with Halo, you've worked with banks, you've worked with hospitals, insurance companies. Now, that that's very wide. That's not necessarily deep. And the reason I ask this is because I hear individuals all the time saying you need to go deep and not wide, but clearly you've achieved success by going wide as well. And it's funny, I had an individual ask me and basically he was trying to prove the point that you need a niche. And his question to me was, Matt, would you date a supermodel? And obviously my my answer to that is yes, of course I'd date a supermodel. And then he said, which one? And my answer to that, you know, being a dude, being 26 years old, I mean, I I wouldn't be too picky if, if they're lined up for me. So I'm curious, how do you feel about, you know, needing a niche? Well, it depends. There's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to deconstruct the question because, you know, a, a business, you know, whether or not you need to create a business in a niche, that, that's, that's one separate question. But whether you as a person have to operate inside of a niche for the rest of your life, that, that, is, that, that I don't agree with. I think, I think you can bring, I mean, you see it all the time. You see fantastic entrepreneurs who never have no experience in an industry. They go in there, they create something awesome, and it stands out, and they win. It's like the founders of Halo Top who, have, who were both lawyers. Like, should they have only built companies in the legal industry? No. They went and they created a low-calorie ice cream, and it killed it. So, so I, I don't believe in you yourself have to sort of become an expert in a niche. That, that to me has never been a barrier. But I do, I do think that certain businesses require you thinking inside of either a niche or you're going bigger and broader with a proposition that connects back to a brand and a purpose that's trying to solve a really big thing. And, and so, yeah, even there, you'd probably kind of focus in on some tactical opportunities to play the niche game. But for instance, with Art of Sport, we're going after everything the athlete applies on their skin. I want to own application. If Nike owns apparel, 
and Gatorade owns beverage or Powerade or body armor, I want to own what the next generation trusts to put on their skin every day. And that's a big vertical. It's not like I'm just focused on sunscreen. Um, I've launched a number of categories from day one because I believe that that's what we should have always done from day one. And that's what the market's calling for. And that's what consumers want. So, so it, it, but it always depends. It really, I think it depends on the type of product, the type of service, our context, what consumers are after, and then your playbook and your strategy and your team and whether you can actually execute it out fully or if you have to start with a smaller focus. For sure. I definitely appreciate your perspective on that. Now, you know, you mentioned art of sport. Let's get into that. You've, you know, you teamed up with Kobe Bryant and you teamed up with a gentleman I'm very familiar with, Mr. Brian Lee of LegalZoom and Shoe Dazzle and Honest Company. How did the journey take you here? Well, um, so I, I built a couple of companies and, um, and the, the previous businesses were, were backed by some phenomenal people and investors. And over the years, I've, I've gotten to know and become very close personal friends with a lot of entrepreneurs. And so Brian and I have had um, have a ton of mutual connections. Um, and so when he was stepping down from Honest Company and I was finishing up my last business, we were both thinking about the type of company we would want to build. Um, and so he has some phenomenal experience building businesses. And again, to my previous point, he started a, a legal zoom and then he went into honest company and then into shoes. I, he's very, you know, he's a very, uh, those are all very different sectors. Um, and I sort of, we had a similar philosophy in that, in that respect that we, we loved, we loved finding opportunities that we felt we could make a really meaningful differences in. Um, and so when we started art of sport, you know, we had the initial nugget of the idea. We were thinking, hey, we want to build a sports brand that, that you know, just that, that sort of appeals to all walks of life, all ages, all genders. Uh, we want to build a platform that's all about empowering you to achieve your best and your full potential. No one had created better for you kind of skincare products with uh, greater efficacy, great ingredients without all of the common chemicals. And so here we are in this market of men's grooming and personal care, which is a $50 billion market. And, you know, the, the, the usual players in the market haven't innovated their formulas in, 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 in forever. And so we decided, okay, how do we build an authentic sports brand that has that North Star to service the athlete, to service those who want to lead active lifestyles? And that's what led us down the path of partnering with some of the world's best skincare scientists and also the world's greatest athletes. And, and Kobe Bryant is our founding partner. Uh, he was involved from day one. He was uh, super excited about the idea. He had been involved in the body armor business. He obviously was critical and pivotal to the Nike business for years um, in basketball. And so when, when, it, when we were discussing building an authentic sports brand for, for, for the world, you know, uh, Kobe had an ama amazing amount of perspective on it, never mind, of course, his is kind of um, amazing, uh, uh, you know, one-of-a-kind athletic career. So if anybody knows about sweat um, and, and, and working up the sweat and, and your skin and your body, it's, it's Kobe. And so that, that, was, that was the initial period. And, and from there, we really went down a path of continuing to build toward that vision. We brought on board some unbelievable athletes, including James Harden, um, Javier Baez from the Cubs, we brought on board uh, Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's, who's an incredible young talent. Uh, Ryan Sheckler, the skateboarder. Ken Roxon, who's a Supercross uh, world champion. 
Um, and we brought on board Sage Erickson, who's a U.S. surf champion. Um, and she she brought on she brought with her also amazing. Each one brought with them amazing perspectives on on the skin and on on different sports. Um, with Sage, she's in the ocean. She's out in the sun all day. So so the type of sunscreen that she applies is important to her. Uh, Ken had a big injury at one point and almost almost uh, wasn't able to pursue his career anymore. And so he was very focused on on recovery and the recovery cream and pain cream. Um, and so we surrounded ourselves with, with amazing athletes. And, and, and that's, that was the sort of initial journey of surrounding ourselves with, with a great team. That's amazing, man. Congratulations on all the success thus far. Really, you know, it's inspiring to see and, you know, firsthand speaking with you, I really appreciate you sharing all this. And I'm curious, you know, we talk about proximity quite often on this show and you've exemplified that you've been in proximity of amazing individuals across your entrepreneurial journey. What do you feel like was the biggest lesson you've learned from being in proximity of one of these amazing individuals? Well, I think the biggest lesson is that you 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 absolutely have opportunities in life, or, or you you create opportunities in life to connect with folks who, you know, might have decades more experience, or enormous amounts of wealth, or they're incredibly smart, or you know, they're otherwise an amazing talent. And and the lesson is is that you're 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 you have to rise to the occasion and you have to prove out. And, and so I think that the focus is less on proximity to folks who are unbelievable. And it's more about you becoming the best you can be so that in the moments, in those opportunities, um, when you do get to sit down and interact with and share the perspective, you have the skills and you have the toolbox and you've got the language to communicate Everything from the minutia and the small stuff, and here's how we're going to execute every single day. This is what's absolutely critical for us to get right, but also the big stuff to paint the, the vision and paint the picture to bring them into that and have them incorporate their ideas. And so if you can't, if you cannot participate or rise to the occasion because you haven't, you're not prepared, then, then those opportunities, which may or may not come, can, 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 can lead nowhere. And so I've always, I've always, um, I've always made sure that my priority is to make sure I've got my shit together, but I've also, I've, I, I'm able to run at a, at a very fast pace that, um, that they understand and they, they appreciate and they can believe it. Um, and so that for me, it's a sort of a dual sided uh, answer to your, to your question. No, I love it. That's great stuff. I appreciate you sharing it. And I want to respect your time. So I want to squeeze two more questions out of you here. The first yeah. one, what was a piece of advice that you didn't want to hear, but it proved to be true over time? Well, there's a lot of advice I've gotten over time. I, I mean, I, I asked me tomorrow and I'll have a different answer. But, um, you know, I, the, first, the one thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, back in the day, I used to try and build out ideas that were really big and really illustrious and really about changing the world and changing, you know, how we do things. And I still love those ideas and I still fall in love with, with opportunities like that, that I see out there. But, um, I recall when, um, you know, after years of building something that was so ambitious, um, and, and took so much time and so much capital, I came away from that pretty scarred and, and thinking, you know, I, 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 you know, I should have done all these different things. I should have executed all these things differently. And it was actually my mother who said to me, you know, Matthias, you can, 
you can change the world once you've got a little change in your pocket. And, and what that was, what that was signaling was, and I don't know if she necessarily knew what she was saying, but you know, there are, there are opportunities to make things incrementally better, even, even that much more better, even, you know, beyond better uh, out there in the world. Um, And, 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 you know, sometimes those things are, are enormous businesses and enormous opportunities. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the only types of businesses you have to build are the ones that are the most complicated and the most insane and the most whatever. Sometimes it's great to, to immerse yourself in big categories, identify players in those spaces that are doing things poorly, that haven't innovated. And there's no shame in going after those things, even if they might not sound like the most illustrious ideas on the planet. You know, one of the most successful entrepreneurs I've ever met sells socks to the Indian army. And so they burn through millions of pairs of socks a year because they're marching out in the sun all day long. And so that guy is, you know, he's very happy and he's continuing to build out his passions. And in fact, he's pursuing all the big things he wants to pursue now that he's got a little change in his pocket. And so I think that's, that was one of the sort of points of advice that I resisted wanting to accept early in my career. But as I've gotten older and as I've built out other businesses, I've, I've learned to appreciate more. Yeah, listen, you, you're definitely appreciating it. And I appreciate you sharing that. Now, Matthias, if someone came up to you seeking a piece of advice to achieve their personal definition of success, what would you tell them? Well, um, I think the the common thread here in our conversation is that I, I don't know that I necessarily uh, think about success in, 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 in outcomes. Um, and so my advice would be, look, look at the process, um, identify steps to getting to the outcome you want, but do, if you, if you don't get to the outcome, you know, can you still feel that sense of success? Can you still feel like you've achieved what you've wanted to achieve? And a, a, a dollar figure in your bank account, that's really not going to make you change your, blow your mind. Once you make that money and it's in your bank account, you're going to be feel fine. You'll, you'll, you'll burn money on dumb stuff and toys and whatever else it is. The reality is it's not a fulfilling journey. Um, and so success for me, my first response would be, can you define, can you redefine success in the context of your journey and your life? And, and if that's, if that's something you can sort of start to identify and put down on paper, then pursuing it shouldn't be that, that, um, impossible pursuing. There shouldn't be that big of a barrier to achieving a sense of success. If what you're doing every day matters to you and means something to you. So that would be my advice. I love it. I love it. Now, Matthias, where can people keep up with you on social, uh, your, your sites, your projects, anything you have going on? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously bad at all that stuff. So I don't, I don't really maintain much of a presence online, but I'm, I mean, you know, the best way to, to track us is to go to artofsport.com. You know, we're, we're working on some really big things that I think the country is going to hear about, um, especially next year, early next year. Uh, for instance, currently we're running an amazing promotion with Kobe for Prime Day in partnership with Amazon. So he's all over Amazon right now. But um, you know, I think I think I, I, I'd love nothing more, if anything, for people to check out our Instagram at Go Art of Sport. Check out the website. Check out Amazon. Try the products if you love them, um, and feedback because you know that's one of the most exciting parts of the business is to have the privilege to create a product that the consumer is willing to spend some money on and try. 
And then the next step from there is to collect that feedback and drive it back into the business and make the pro- product and the business and, and our mission that much more more successful. So that that's what I would that's what I would hope people do. Um, following me personally isn't isn't that interesting to be honest. But um, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Matias, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to add value here on the show. I'm going to make sure everyone connects with you. Thank you again for hopping on here. Thanks for having me. And there you have it from Matias himself. First and foremost, shout out to Matias for hopping on here, having a conversation based around his experiences, his insights, his values, his perspective, his journey, which is one of the things we're going to talk about in a second, his mindset on top of that. Absolutely amazing. This was jam-packed with value, so I really, really am excited to amplify this to all of you. And on that topic, what I'm going to ask you to do is to connect with Matias so that he can continue to amplify what he has to offer everyone, right? So make sure you're connecting with him on social. Although he doesn't think he's the person to follow, make sure you're connecting with him on Instagram and on LinkedIn. On top of that, connect with Art of Sport. They have a phenomenal Instagram. That's where I'm connected with them at. It's at at go art of sport you'll be able to find that in the show notes of this episode where you can also find our partnership with gen m again gen m is absolutely phenomenal for businesses that are looking to build a team and it all starts with the team of marketing interns that gen m provides absolutely amazing stuff you could find that there as well but now i want to talk about those three points that resonated with me on a super high level and of course i do have to say that there were way more than three. It becomes very challenging to only pick three points from these interviews or these conversations, I should say. So the three points that I want to focus on right here, right now, number one that really hits home is the fact that Matias mentions that he's always surrounding himself. He actually even defines his definition of success by being around and working with individuals on projects that are are about it. You know, they're literally about it. It's literally about surrounding yourself with amazing people. And the more and more I think about it, you know, over the past few years, I'm really grateful for all the individuals that I've been able to surround myself with, specifically even this community right here at Decoding Success, right? We have such an amazing community of high performers, and I'm really grateful that it came about and is continuously growing. So shout out to everyone tuned in right now. We are surrounded by each other, which is really, really amazing. That's exactly where the magic happens. Now, the second thing I want to talk about, which I find quite difficult for myself is the fact that Matthias views success not as an outcome, right? He views success more in terms of the journey and the process. And for me, you know, as much as I want to and as much as I try to, it becomes quite difficult to shift my mindset from that outcome, the desired result, to the journey and the process of getting after it, right? Or or making it happen or creating it. And I think that's where a lot of us develop, you know, self-deprecating thoughts and things of that nature because we might not be seeing the results that we are going after. And that's me speaking from my personal experience where I might not be seeing the result or in the timely fashion. Um, And man, it just becomes really difficult, but it's something I'm working on. I just wanted to point that out. I think that that's something right there that a lot of high performing individuals, a lot of go-getters, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to, to resonate with that, right? It's, you know, anyone that has goals really. And, you know, I really appreciate Matias sharing that because it's a, a good reminder that, you know, you need to shift 
shift that mindset? How can you have that mindset shift? And I'm going to take his advice to make sure I'm shifting my mindset just like that. Lastly, number three, this was a big one for me. This was a big one. I asked about how he felt or his perspective, his opinion on niches in business. And his response was very, very unique. And I really appreciate it. As I mentioned to him, I always mention that I appreciate the responses of every interviewee, but this one right here, you don't need a niche in life. And the example that he gave with Halo Top ice cream in regards to the, the co-founders being from legal background, right? They didn't necessarily have any background in creating fucking ice cream, yet they did it. And I feel like that's exactly what stops a lot of us. And that's the point I want to make. It's not necessarily about the niche in life. It's more so about, you know, you might not know everything and that's okay because listen, you're not going to know everything anyway, but that doesn't mean you can't figure things out if you really want to figure them out. So those three points right there, success is not to be viewed as an outcome. It's more so the journey. It's more so the process. Then secondly, not needing a niche in life and not letting that stop you, right? Just because you don't know everything does not mean that should stop you. And third, number three, surrounding yourself, being in proximity of absolutely amazing people. Again, shout out to Matias. Shout out to Jen M, our partner for this episode, providing everyone that's tuned in and amazing opportunity to bolster their team, especially if you're a business owner. If you're a student, this is also a really good opportunity for you. Contact me directly if you're a student. I would love for you to get connected on this platform. Now, I mentioned connecting with Matias. Connect with me. I would love to know what your three or a few, whatever the case is, I want to know what your favorite points are from this episode. Matias dropped a shit ton of value here. It was almost hard to digest all of it because it was just, it was lit. It was lit. No other way to put it. Keeping it 100 with you. It was fucking lit. So I want to know what your favorite points are. And as always, if you shout us out, if you take a screenshot, post it to your IG story, you put it on Twitter, you put it on Facebook, you put it wherever. I always reshare those posts because I'm really, really grateful for that. It helps, you know, rev me up in a way. And that's it's humbling. It's gratitude. Right. So thank you for always doing that. If you do it, listen, you're getting a shout out for me. On top of that, let me know what those points are. You know where to find me at M-A-T-T underscore L-E-B-R-I-S on Instagram and Twitter. Matt Labrie on Facebook and LinkedIn. Always doubling down on that LinkedIn. So make sure we're connected there. And as always, until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.